Hey everybody, we are here today with a guitar player and a band leader here in Kansas City, uh, Steve Andrew. How you doing? I'm great, how are you? I'm doing awesome. Um, I met you at uh, your guys' jam mm -hmm. down at the firehouse. How long have you guys been doing that jam? Uh, in February, it'll be four years. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It's, a really, it's a really good one. It's definitely yeah, one of the better you. ones in town, and I know you guys and and Dave's that he has on Sunday, you guys both have a very well-attended jam. I mean, it's been pretty consistent like that, right? Right, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, and what are the other two, uh, um, who is the, your drummer? I can never remember his John name. John Hobbs. John Hobbs, and, and then the bass. And, uh, Steve McBride. Steve McBride, yeah. Mm -hmm. Those guys are really, really good players. Yes, they are, yeah. They can hang with anything people are throwing at them in general, right? right? I mean, right. yeah. Good as be expected mm -hmm. we get some crazy requests sometimes yeah doesn't every band yeah. i mean they come up and yeah. expect you to know every song right. ever written right right and we don't unfortunately but That's uh right. but yeah i definitely want to get into the uh get into the open jams here in a minute but um for those who don't know you uh, t talk us or take us through kind of a couple minute uh version of your kind of gigging past or musician musician history well, I started uh, about 40 years ago. I'm 61, and uh, I started actually younger than that, but really actually gigging around town. I was about 21 when mm -hmm. I started doing that, and uh, uh, we were playing pretty simple stuff. I'm still playing pretty simple stuff, <laughs> but I like it because it's uh, it's it's open. I'm referring to blues and pretty, you know, blues. Uh, infused or blues-oriented rock tunes, mm -hmm. which is what I grew up on. Uh, I grew up in the 60s uh, when all that was going on, the Motown, and uh, then there was Cream, and there was Grand Funk Railroad, which was a big influence on me, mm -hmm. uh, just the singing and the aspects. So, um, you know, just began playing, and um, I ran into uh, Jan Lamb, who's a musician around town, mm -hmm. you know, we're jamming Jan Lamb, and yeah. we, we put a band together, and we were playing just whatever was popular at the time. This would have been in the, probably the 70s. Yeah. And uh, the bass player started playing the bass line to The Thrill Is Gone, mm -hmm. and I s loved it. I need to know more about that. I had al already been listening to Derek and the Domino's Layla album, which has a blues tune on there called Nobody Knows You When You're Down and Out. And it's a straight up beautiful blues tune. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will know it as the, um, the acoustic uh, version, which is a version he did back in the pubs in England. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is a straight up blues version, and Dwayne Almond's playing on it. So I had those two influences, and then I began to really find the blues. Mm -hmm. um, there was a blues jam in Kansas City at Blaney's with Larry Van Lone and the uh, Colt 45 uh, uh, with Rick Hendricks and those guys, and then later Ed Yokely and Mike O'Neill playing drums. And that was my first experience at a jam session. Yeah. So, you know, you get up there and, and I could improvise a little bit, but I didn't really, you know, know my way around. But those guys kind of took me under their wing and really helped me. Uh, get that started, mm -hmm. to actually get a blues band going and trying to play that around town. Yeah. At the time, just what was going on back then, disco music was popular. Mm -hmm. 
so we found ourselves, if you wanted to get, you had to play that stuff. Uh, we gritted our teeth and played it. <laughs> and then right after that, Country came out, yeah. and there we got Boot Scoot Boogie and Larry right. and Willie. And I'm not knocking this music. It right. just wasn't for me. It's yeah. just not what I wanted to play. But that's what you had to play if you wanted to sure. play around town. Finally, that faded, and it began to get you know, to the end of the 80s by then. But the 70s stuff, the Allman Brothers, the Clapton, all those bands back in, in there really caught my eye. And yeah. really, that's what I still want to play. Sure. So, so, so to stop you there for a second, so you started doing rock and then kind of experienced the blues sort of for the first time in a way, in a real way, right? And then, then you went to a jam. Right, so right. that yeah, so that that maybe right. is a little bit different. That's than, right. So you were gigging on rock before you. Yeah, I, I yeah. was putting basement bands together. Sure. We were playing yeah. wherever someone would allow us to play, and we weren't very good. Mm. Just like you know, most twenty-year-old bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got into the depth of the blues. I mean, I really researched the players, and mm. uh, you know, really started buying records. And yeah. we were buying records back then, as before. Finally, cassettes came along. Sure. Eight tracks and cassettes, but. Anyway, that was my deal, and that's still my deal. That's where I'd like to just stay. The B.B. King, the Albert King, all those guys yeah, are yeah. kind of my... But I love the rock stuff, too. Sure. Uh, you know, because I don't want to play, um, you know, all blues all the time. But the rock stuff I like is blues-oriented. Yeah. And it talks all, about real Allman life. Brothers and, is super blues-oriented, yeah. yeah. Right, so you're talking about real life here, that kind of music moves me and that's yeah. why I play it that's cool yeah yeah. and then I think you we were talking right before we started about you you had this big big moment and then it sounds like you you took a little bit of break there huh yeah I yeah. did uh, so I probably was uh, about late 70s I was pretty heavily into the starting in my blues deal and played up through the 90s up to about 2002 mm -hmm. and you know as a musician in this town, you're probably not going to make a living, and you're sure not going to make a good living mm -hmm. doing nothing but playing music, um, unless you're meaning you know, 100, the, 120, 300,000 a year. That ain't happening, right? It's just not right? there, yeah, not yeah. locally in Kansas City. Right. I mean, if you, you know, things, uh, you get discovered or you're whatever, maybe yeah. you, uh, you know, you're not going to do it here in Kansas City, yeah. I guess is my point. So it's a, it's a good it's a good part-time job. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. That's what the music business for us, most of us local guys is. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a banking career, mm -hmm. um, and at that point in 2002, I had risen up through the ranks far enough that it was I couldn't stay out late at night. Yeah, the gigs right. were you're playing till one o'clock, and yeah. that that's when you stop playing. You still got, still got to pack up your gear. You still got to get home. You're probably not ready to just go right to sleep, you're right. still wound up, and yeah. I got a board meeting at seven, and I, you know, it just was just too much. So so I stopped until I retired, uh, which turned out to be 2011. In 2012, you know, I decided to get this going again. This is what yeah. I wanted to do with my spare time now that I'm retired, where I can do whatever I want. Let's, you know, let's get mm -hmm. back to that. That's great. And so now I'm back, and I've been back, this is, I've been back five years now. Yeah. Can you, so you can't, you can't go to sleep after a gig? I can't either. No. I'm, I'm, I'm so like. No. <laughs> you would think you'd be exhausted. 
Yeah. I don't know, because I, I, you know, I have, I don't just bring my guitar stuff. I usually bring the PA system, right. too. And, you know, by the time you break, you finish and you break all that down, you get it loaded up into your car. That's another 30 minutes. And then it's a Chat with a home. bunch of knuckleheads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Some of them are knuckleheads. No, I'm teasing. Yeah. I'm always happy to chat with We're all knuckleheads. Come on. Let's just be honest here. <laughs> I'm, We're a bunch of rejects. I'm wonderful. <laughs> I, I love talking to, to the folks that come. Oh, out, yeah. Uh, whether they're players or, or just folks that listen. Yeah. But, um, no, I get home and I'm... I gotta, I gotta have a couple beers or a couple drinks uh, to get me to sleep. Yeah, so. yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So, but you know, that's what translates. I mean, how long does this gig last? Let's say I do a firehouse gig mm-hmm. and I play from seven thirty to ten thirty. Mm-hmm. It starts at four thirty or five, and I'm loading my gear in my car. Yeah. You know, and finishes at mm-hmm. you know eleven thirty when I'm finally leaving the firehouse after mm-hmm. I finished and packed up all my gear now I'm finally in my car driving home. Yeah. So it's not, you know, I'm only working three being paid for three hours, but it's a lot longer than three right. hours. Yeah. And all the all the musicians out there know that. That's mm-hmm. just how it is. But if you're trying to do another job on top of it, you know, it becomes right. it becomes tough. So I'm thrilled to be retired and yeah. back to just doing what I love to do. Yeah, and, and even before we move on for that, I mean, that's a big thing that I wanted to talk about on this show is, is sort of the getting, getting that in our head of what you're getting yourself into a little bit and being really, mm-hmm. having all, all of us musicians kind of let some people know that, that, you know, it can be really awesome, but just don't be, don't be surprised when you're, you know, when, when you realize that you're probably not going to make a full living on just straight gigging. You know, and, and we, I mean, I don't know if I know anybody in town that can really just straight gig. There's not very many. We all have to have our day thing. Yeah. And that day thing can look many different ways, yeah. right? You know. And it may but, be teaching. Right. Which I think is a lot fine, of the guys yeah. teach mm-hmm. and they're able to make uh, make things work that way. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great players in town. I mean, maybe they're playing with the orchestra, man. Maybe mm-hmm. they're doing... Lots of other deals. Plus, they teach. You make a living that way. Oh sure. But straight up, just gigging around town, it's playing in right. local restaurants and bars and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a good part time job. Yeah, I know people have been talking about even the glory days of the '90s and here in town because we all in the jazz world we talk a lot about the '20s and '40s. That whole era was the heyday, you know. Mm-hmm. But I heard a lot of people talk about it. even in the '90s here in town was a pretty good time. They were talking about they were. They were able to gig five nights a week, and they had a mm-hmm. horrible band. <laughs> you know, they're like, we had a crappy band, and we had well, that many gigs. That's you know? when they used to have music yeah. five nights a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were actually bars in town that, yeah. that did that. Yeah. And you could have, you could be the house band there and play there five, six, seven I nights I know, a that's week. crazy to me that they, they had five right. nights in a row where that was their club, yeah. sort of. You yeah, know? that was their job. They yeah. Every night they were there playing, you know, yeah. same stuff. But, you know, we don't, we, if... Like Christine's Firehouse has music four nights a week, right? Which is not a lot of, not a lot of places are doing that. Yeah, there's some, but there's not very many. Not the very Phoenix many. has a lot of music. Mm-hmm. BB's has a lot mm-hmm. of music. The Majestic, the mm-hmm. Green Lady, uh, mm-hmm. um, Knuckleheads. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some places that are doing right. it, but but how many, many bands are out there chasing those gigs, Rob? Yeah, I know. I mean, the, there's a lot of competition. I know. And you know that's good. I mean, we got a lot of great musicians in Kansas City, more than people probably realize around the country. So does that does that push out the riffraff a little bit too? 
Well, uh, you got to be good enough to get hired back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's put it that so way. So is that a, is that a good thing in a way? I you know you could look I at mean, it. I mean, I think way. it is. Yeah. I mean, I think it raises everybody's level of playing. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to do this, then you're going to have to get good enough. Yeah. And it's not always uh, who's the best player; it's who can draw the most people. You know, because let's face it, we're really selling booze for the mm -hmm. for the club owners food, and, yeah. and food. So uh, if you can't keep people there and they're going somewhere else, you're not going to get hired back. We're, we're kind of no good to them at that point, right? right. The club owner. Right. Yeah. You're expendable. Mm -hmm. Or can yeah. be. Uh, some places you really need the music to keep it going. Yeah. I mean, it just fits. It just works. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of bands in this town, and a lot of them are pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say you know most of them who are playing regularly, pretty good musicians. Mm -hmm. So so let's let's talk about that a little bit with the idea of kind of running a band. I, I ran a little rock thing for about three or four years in town. It was a really good experience to me. You mm -hmm. know, we we didn't you know we didn't get anything really to happen, but you know we did. 60 shows or something, you know, or more than that, probably mm -hmm. 60 shows total. And it was really interesting about talking to club owners, which I'd never really done before. And, and just having the, you know, picking a set list and like dealing with the personalities of a band and, and all of that kind of stuff was really new to me. And I'm glad mm -hmm. because I, I see this whole other like running a bit because I was always, a, you know, sort of like a studio hired gun kind of a guy. And then I got to see the other side and that was really interesting. Um, what was, uh, with running a band or being in a band or whatever, what, what's a thing in a band that has really worked really well in the past with any of your, or well, the one you have now or what? Or, you mean or, the style we play? Or anything, or? anything. You know, the, the song choices, dealing with club owner, whatever. You sure. know, you can answer that however you want. Sure. That's a, that's a real open-ended question. Right, yeah. There's a lot to talk about yeah. there. But, uh, I mean... If you're if you're deciding uh, you're going to start a band, I mean, I think you need to decide what you're going, what you want to play. I mean, you have some reason to start a band, and is your what you want to play marketable, and can you find other players that want to play what you want to play? And if you want to get good players, you got to have gigs because if you don't, someone else does. Mm -hmm. It's a really basically a mercenary business, or has grown into that where. You know, you you if the phone rings and you don't have a gig, you take the gig. I mean, it used to be you'd have to check with your buddies first and see if your band was, you know, are we open that date or whatever. Do you care if I? That's <laughs> that sure doesn't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's you know whoever calls and offers the most money. That's where you're going. So if you're a band leader, you're trying to put all this together. You know, if you want to get the good players for a good product, and you better. You better be picking the right tunes that people want to hear. Who's your audience? Are they going to come show up? You know, the stuff I do, uh, people my age are the ones that want to hear it. And they're growing old. Mm -hmm. They're getting older. So, you know, I'm, I've noticed a lot of 80s stuff happening lately. It yeah. seems to be the latest. Because in the 80s, I was doing a retro 60s stuff. Yeah. We were doing yeah. When a Man Loves a Woman and all those kinds of things and the old Motown stuff. and. So if you're doing that, it's that's already been done several times. Here we are in 2017, and in the 80s, <laughs> we were rehashing the 60s. That was always right, in the 80s. Right. We're 30 years past that. 
So for me, the blues in the 70s, the blues influenced is, is music that is kind of timeless and it works mm-hmm. for everyone. Now the, the, the younger folks coming in at least can appreciate it. Maybe they learn from it if they're players or if they're listeners. But you know, if you if you come up to me at a gig and ask for some Radiohead, I'm not gonna have any for you. That's not my. Well, that stuff's really hard. I mean, there's some stuff in the '70s that, that is hard as well. But there's mm-hmm. like Radiohead is just not something you just pull out. Right. You know, I'm I'm very familiar with Radiohead. So it's, it's but, not but something you just say, hey, yeah, let's yeah. learn a few popular tunes because yeah. that's kind of we kind of need that to kind of keep the young people around. Well, it's just not going to be easy. Mm. You're going to have to make some commitment to it. It's it's tougher. I'm not saying it's tougher music, but you got to decide you want to spend oh, yeah. the time on it. Oh yeah. And if you don't like it, you'll enjoy spending that time on it. So, so to stop you there, you you were talking the, the last minute or two. You you've been talking about kind of making a goal, right? I mean, in, with your band in general, like right, like what people are, what songs are we gonna do, right? What what genre, you know, you're. T- Generally speaking, about what what is our goal in our band? What what kind of players am I needing to get? What kind of songs are we gonna do? And then you mentioned something just a second ago about like what clientele are we playing for? Mm-hmm. Are we gonna try to appeal to the entire world with this one band, mm-hmm. or are we playing to forty through seventy year olds? Right. You know. Right. Exactly. I mean. Mm-hmm. You know. So I mean, I think that's what happened with our band is that I was trying to be too eclectic. I was doing too many because I had these jazz players. I'm like, okay, let's throw a little, let's throw a jazz tune in here, and then a classic rock song, and then a '90s tune, and then an instrumental, and then, and then all of a sudden we'd go to each club, and they'll be like, well, you're, you're not really jazz, but you have jazz players, so, but so I don't really know what to do with you. And then we'll go to the rock bar, and then they'll be like, well, you guys are too jazzy for us, you know? So like. They didn't know what to do with us, really, because right. we didn't have that goal, or I right. didn't have that goal. So I think you got to take a look around you and see what's available. Mm. And in this town, for instance, in the earlier days, there was a lot more country around here. Mm. I mean, there were lots of country bars. You could get a country gig easier than you can get the other ones. Oh, yeah. Back, and that completely changed, which mm. I, I really don't understand what happened there, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not out there like it used to be. Yeah, not in so this town. So when you're trying to figure out what you want to do, because if if you get good players and you got no gigs, you're not going to have a band very long. Mm-hmm. They'll be, they'll be somewhere else. Yeah, where they are do have gigs. Yeah, and then you you said something something else that was interesting that I think a lot of musicians struggle with is the idea of playing what the crowd wants to hear or playing what you want to play. There's a and, way to do that. Yeah, t- talk about that. Um, and, and we did it. Um, you know, you you can, you know, everybody, this is no secret, everyone does it. You know, if you love to play the blues and you're in a place that doesn't want to necessarily hear all blues, you can play some blues, but you got to play what they want to hear too, and then they'll accept you. Yeah. You know, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, uh, blues is pretty well accepted anymore. It's kind of become cool to like the blues mm. you know isn't that crazy I mean I love it because I love it for, because of what it says to me but some people just you know well that's what I should like so I like it you know but you go play a, a rock or like I, I deal with it with country right now you know I have to play a few country songs mm. because and then they're happy as long as they've heard some country music they'll accept whatever else I'm doing yeah 
It's not that I don't like country music. I don't want you to think I don't like country music. I like it just fine. Sure. It's just not my yeah. forte, not my cup of yeah. tea. I'd sound like a blues player trying to play country. Mm. That's what happens. We can talk. I talked to I talked to TJ uh, Earhart about that the other day. How it's mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of guys in town that are blues players and they are playing. They're a blues guy trying to play country, right. and you can hear it. You know, yeah. and and they you know. You can hear it the other way. Yeah, and you can hear and the you other hear the play. country yeah. players yeah. Uh, trying to play the blues, right. and you know, um, hey, you know, you can make it work. I mean. They're basically the base the same, basically. Mm-hmm. They're just different styles. One thing I know that we tried to do at right at the end of my rock band that I had is we uh, I had a, hired a bunch of jazz guys and they were at, even even my age and they were out of control. I mean, they just you know they could read charts in two seconds. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're killer. So I tried to do, I tried to pick stuff that and Lonnie McFadden was sharing this to me one time. He was like. There's those 20 tunes that we all don't really want to play, right? It's the Mustang Sallys and the Sweet yep. Alabamas and, you know, the Brick House and, the, you yep. know, there's that 20 yep. list. Yep. But he's like, there's there's another thousand that are perfectly acceptable for this, for this right. bar right now. And uh, and so with our band, we tried to do, uh, you mentioned All My Brothers stuff like Ramblin' Man. You know, where it was fun enough for us because it's a fun tune, right. but it's very well known and uh, it's exciting. You know, it's, it's got, I, I look at it as those three kind of things that you want in a song where you're not sitting up here playing Mustang Sally every day, but there's a thousand more blues songs you can do or rock or whatever. And, you, you know, we don't want to feel like the performing monkey, right? You know, playing all this regular stuff. But you know that. But what what happens when you don't play a bunch of songs people know? They leave. They get disinterested yeah. and they leave, and now your uh, person who's hired you is not happy. Yeah. So I mean, you need to be able to play the brick house and and whatever. Mm-hmm. Your job is to sell alcohol. When they dance, they get thirsty. That's mm-hmm. just real simple. And and by the way. Some of those tunes, when we talk about musicians not necessarily wanting to play it, Mustang Sally's always the first one, you know. In the blues world, in the, in the other well, things. Well, in any world, like, probably you know, world, we have yeah. a bar in town that refuses, if you play there, they will not, they will not hire you back, yeah, they'll wow. fire you, that's the Eclipse and Rage. Right, yeah, they have that big sign, no Mustang, that, that no sign cracks Sally, me up. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is, you know, <laughs> I mean, they're probably trying to say, you know, don't patronize us with something stupid, but look, I offer this, Mustang Sally... If you go back and listen to the original version of Wilson Pickett, fabulous song. Mm-hmm. Learn to play it well. Yeah. And you might enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of great harmonies. There's lots of cool rhythms and stuff that you can do to make it a lot more interesting. Yeah. Well, we picked, like, what did we pick? Money, Pink Floyd. You uh-huh. never hear anybody play that because right. it's too hard for them to play. But we picked songs like that that were, that were really well known, that at least the you know, 50 to 60 year olds are going to know all of these 70s tunes and they were fun for us to play and they were exciting enough for a bar. You know, we didn't play 19 ballads in a row, you know, right. where, where it's just right. boring, you know. But how do you dance to money? Well, you don't. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm yeah, not saying yeah. you shouldn't do the song. Oh, yeah. I'm saying that's maybe one you like to do and you want to do. I know. But you got to sprinkle it in the brick houses right. and the Mustang Sally's. Yeah. And that's how you. And then gradually. 
if you find a following, you know, that will follow you wherever you go then to play what you love to play, then you're home free. Mm-hmm. You know, then you can, you know, the kale pectones do a nice job of that. Mm-hmm. They do some unusual, their stuff's not all dance stuff. It's, um, and they do a wonderful job, uh, you know, recreating all those old songs that, mm-hmm. you know, a, or FM radio back in the 70s that, you know. You have more of a dance crowd than some of the other blues, uh, mm-hmm. some of the other even blues bands, but some of the other jams, because I see all sorts of people dancing at the yeah. firehouse. So you guys got to kind of keep that in mind, huh? Yeah. Well, just remember, we're not a blues jam. We're a blues-oriented jam. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's the, the best description. We do lots of rock tunes. Right. I mean, I do lots of Cream, um, you know, Clapton, you know, Allman Brothers, stuff that's not straight-up mm-hmm. blues. And I think when you talk about straight-up blues, you're talking about a slow blues tune, you know, mm-hmm. which is very simple at its core. But do too many of those in a row, you know, people are starting to look at their watch and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But, but uh, we, that's because we do a lot of dance, danceable stuff. Yeah. We want to do a lot of danceable stuff. It's good for the bar, number one. Yeah. And it, it brings people. We have a lot of people at the firehouse that come every week just because they just like to come hear the music and they like to eat a little something and get up and dance. Mm-hmm. And it's early. You know, we're 7.30 to 10.30. Yeah. So, that's another thing that's changed over the years. I've noticed mm-hmm. is the gigs are getting earlier, probably because we're getting older. Mm-hmm. And the crowd that wants to hear what we want to hear, you know, we finish at 10.30, and at 10.30, a lot of times that place It's two-thirds, yeah, it's two-thirds full or less. Everybody's like, oh, boy, I better, you know, better get home, you know. So that's just what a musician has to, to work around yeah. you know, in this town. Yeah. That's cool, man. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about the open jam. So, um, I am always curious because I have all sort. All of us have all sorts of opinions about open jams and what would what what's great about them, and what is you know could be tweaked or whatever. But um, somebody somebody said, who was it? One of these guys that interviewed said something interesting how when he was in a band he didn't really feel like he was actually in the scene you know he's like he's in the scene because he's out there playing but when he's gigging with his own band he only sees his band but when he was running an open jam all of a sudden he felt like he was deep in the scene because he's seeing people so much do you does that is that fair i mean it's more than fair i mean it that's really the privilege of running a jam yeah. Just getting to meet all the players around mm-hmm. town that, you know, hopefully you can attract them to your jam. If you've got good players, they'll come. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had all the great players around town come been to the firehouse mm-hmm. for our jam. It's been, and we very much appreciate it and mm-hmm. respect that. So, uh, but that's the cool thing is getting to meet all these different people that I never would meet unless I went out mm-hmm. to their gig and, and uh, you know, they happen to be playing when I'm available. Right. You know what I mean, now I can see them all the time. I can go to other jams and meet more people. Yeah. We have a huge uh, group of people in this town that play music, and for many mm-hmm. years I didn't know about all the guys in Independence. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I, I was introduced to Terry Hancock, for instance, by uh, Blake Hughes here in town. I was playing with them, and that opened up a whole new world of players out mm-hmm. there. Uh, and then there's more over on the Kansas side. There's more in the Overland Park side. For a while, we had a jam session at McGuire's 
And that was a whole new group of guys that mm-hmm. came to that one as opposed to who came to the firehouse, which is in North Kansas City. Nobody's coming out to Blue Springs that aren't all the way up. You know, I mean, I, once a in a while, trip. it's a long trip. You know, there is yeah. a jam out there. There's, there's two a couple still, of, yeah. uh, out there. But that's a different crowd than, than Dave Hayes is at, that's at right. 151st and you know, Lou Allen's. You know, right. Totally different. So we have a, a large number of players in this town, and we're mm-hmm. lucky that way. But it also creates a lot of competition, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how many venues we have. Yeah. So, so you know, it's not like uh, uh, we have an overabundance of gigs and not enough musicians. It's the opposite, and it's been the opposite for a long time. Yeah. And I, I always, I, I mean, I keep saying this, I'm a 100% fan of the jams. I mean, it was, it's probably the biggest reason why I, I, you know, I don't have a name or anything in town yet, but, but I... It's the only reason why I can even do this show of meeting all these people I have is because of the our jam scene, right. and and that's you know it's as you would agree it's it's our biggest uh, or it's the biggest benefit of our scene with doing jams is to getting to meet all these people, um, and that's really how I started. If you remember back earlier, I yeah. said you know uh, when I was going down to Blaney's you know on a Monday night, and I'm working. And that jam didn't start till ten. Mm-hmm. It went till two, and they played for an hour first. Yeah, before mm-hmm. they got anybody up. So things have changed. Yeah, right. Things have changed, but it's a great way for a musician to get started in this town and figure mm-hmm. out, you know, if first of all, if they can hang with, you know, the other players mm-hmm. and be able to play, you know, and 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 meet these people and figure out what it takes to become, you know, a musician in this town and a working musician. Yeah. So like, and I've I've been just getting everybody's uh, everybody's opinion on this because this is just one of my my opinions or I guess pet peeves about the jam is there's you know there's these guys that are kind of the house band quality kind of players and like Dave Hayes would obviously you would be in this category of the guys that can get up there and at jams hang with everything you're doing. And then there's another level of guys that are totally capable of being up this jam right now, and they they can handle pretty much everything you're getting. And then there's all, and this probably doesn't happen very much, as much as I feel. But um, there's that other level of people that are a little bit kind of clueless about what their level is, really, you know, and they kind of think they're they think they're something, you know, and then they get up there and they can't even do a shuffle or something, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm basically, you know, completely trying to get you in trouble right here, but like what, uh, what I've always had a theory about, it sort of reminds me of being a teacher where, you know, the teacher has a huge amount of responsibility on the situation right now of how much they can impact it, but eventually the students got to come to them at some point, you know, so there's, there's a little bit on both. And that's my general opinion about the house band and then the jammers is that there's still kind of both that needs to be happening. Um, do you think that there should be a baseline of ability before you get up at an open jam? And you can punt if you don't feel like um, out in yourself or whatever. If, if, I mean, I think you need to have a clue about your instrument. I think you need to be able to at least follow and be able to play along with, at a minimum, three chord blues, shuffles, and simple rock tunes. And any player who's getting started, you know, 
at that level where they're they want to start playing going out to a jam and mm -hmm. can I cut it you know you can go on YouTube and find backing tracks mm -hmm. those are wonderful aren't and I they? use them all the time yeah and you can use them to learn how to improvise mm -hmm. in all kinds of different keys you can learn to how to comp along you know cording and rhythms mm -hmm. and all that stuff they sound good too don't they're they they're really good and and they're not going to be comp. You might be able to find more complicated ones, and I just haven't looked for them. Yeah. But I'll typically do a guitar backing track or a blues backing track, just because I use it for practice, sure. just to keep my, you know, just uh, for keeping my fingers, you know, limber and so forth, just personal practice. But it's a great way to learn. It doesn't cost anything, mm -hmm. you know. So you can you can do a lot of self. You can learn how to play like Eric Clapton if you want to. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's lots of instructional videos. Mm -hmm. So do some preparation before mm -hmm. you go to a jam so you have a clue. So when when, when somebody calls off, uh, you know, blues shuffle in the key of C, mm -hmm. you know what you know what to do. Yeah. So you won't be embarrassed. Yeah. And if you come to my jam and you struggle like that, you know, I probably would, this is probably what I would say to you. I'd mm -hmm. probably pull you aside and say, you know, you could really benefit from Spend some time on YouTube, yeah. Along with going to a teacher, there's sure, there, there's sure. there's nothing like going to a teacher. Yeah. You know, I, I had great teachers in my past. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm not saying you shouldn't go get some serious one-on-one yeah. -on -one instruction. Sure. But while you're sitting around, you know, watching a football game or you know whatever, mm -hmm. turn on YouTube and play along. Yeah, learn how to play along. Learn how to get started. Because, yeah, and I, I totally 100% agree with that. I had a guy, and I, and I won't mention his name, but he's a jazz player in town, and he put out a very, very uh, spirited Facebook post one time about, he's like, jam, he, he said, jams are for professionals and serious students, was his argument he was basically making. And I didn't quite agree with every, you know, he's, he's making it, you know, that, these people should be coming, these shouldn't, was his argument. But I 100% agree with him to the general premise of what you said of, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you should have a clue before you get up on the stage right now. A little bit of a yeah. clue, you know. Right. But, but we all know that every one of our first jams sucked terribly. You know, all of us, we all had a first one, you know. So I'm sure. sitting here, like, understanding that we all have to start somewhere. And, we, and I didn't know a ton of songs when I got into town. I don't think it was really... Talent wise, I'd already played 25 years before I got into these jams, but Mustang Sally, I've never heard of that song before I got to Kansas City. A lot of 70s stuff I had, but all these blues to Thrill is Gone, I've never heard of that song. Yeah. And especially all the, the jazz standards, I'd never heard of any of those. Right. So, so going to the jams really helped learning those songs. Um, and I gotta tell you, yeah. if I go to a jazz jam, I'm clueless. <laughs> I'm clueless at a jazz jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know any jazz standards, really. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe I get my find my way around a couple of them. But you know, mm -hmm. there's there's a big difference between the jazz scene and the blues scene, mm -hmm. the blues rock. I'll call it the blues slash rock yeah, scene because, because it is. Yeah, that's just what it is. Yeah. You can't play all blues in this town except in a few places. BBs, yeah. maybe. Uh, you've got to you've got to have something besides the blues to complement it. And blues oriented rock's the ideal thing. Sure. So that's what everybody uses. Yeah. But the jazz scene's a completely different scene yeah. with completely different players. Yeah, I agree. You know? and, and and we go back to the same deal. If jazz guy comes to a blues jam, 
when he plays the blues, he's going to sound like a jazz guy trying to play mm -hmm. blues. He's going to have all that yep. other extra stuff in there, scale type stuff, which yeah. is fine. It's talent. You know, yeah. the guys that do that are very talented, but that's not the blues. And if I walk into a blues jam, it's going to be that or worse. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going to sound like I'm trying to play the blues to whatever mm -hmm. jazz jazz standards. Yeah. Are, you know. So. Yeah. So I guess my last my last question on that is that because you you hit it. What I was trying to get at, the, what is the, in your eyes, what is the responsibility of the house band to that player? Not the jazz guy, but the guy who gets up there and he, uh, and, and he is doing this, he's at this threshold where he's now like, kind of pissing you guys off or he's kind of ruining the jam and you know we we won't say his name but you and I know who we're talking about you know who's you know I, I'll be nice yeah. and not say his name but he the the person you and I know who we're talking about his isn't talent level he's plenty talented to uh to be up on stage but it when when they either don't have that talent level or they are doing extracurricular things that are I was, playing well with others, maybe is mm, a good way to say it. Yeah, yeah. And but but you know what I'm trying to say? Like I yeah. think that there's a lot of house bands because they want people to come and because they don't want to piss people off and because they're it's all about bringing the people and stuff. I feel like some once in a while they'll let stuff go a little bit. And uh, well, what's your what's your feeling on that? It's a sticky wicket. Yes, yeah. I would. Is what I would say. I mean, um, I think people are a little nicer. I mean, back in the early days when I was going to jam sessions, those house bands were a lot less nice. You know, just they just you sound like crap. Get the hell they out of here! Get you off the stage. <laughs> I've even heard them just say, "Get out and don't come back." <laughs> you know. So um, I just am not going to do that to somebody. Yeah, keep it real. I mean, if, unless they've come in and they're being an asshole, right? And then I will mm -hmm. do. What I need to do, and yeah. um, as the house band, I'm going to try to answer your question. Yeah. What's your What's my responsibility as the house band yeah. to people who come to the jam? Mm -hmm. And that is to give them a good experience, you know. And I'm going to try to match up players. That's it's an art form to match up players to play with each other. I don't know if any other jam hosts talk about this. They probably mm -hmm. do, or or they do it automatically. Is that easy? If you know the players, it, it yeah. can be, it, it can, you know, you know, I, I've kind of gotten kind of good at it because I kind of know who does kind of work mm -hmm. together if they've been there before. But if it's a player who is inexperienced, mm -hmm. then I'm not going to put them up with, that guy belongs with the house band. Yes. To help him, A, sound better, encourage him, um, Point out when the solo, when it's time for him to take a solo, and give him plenty of time. Yeah. You know, because if he's inexperienced, he may need to hit a, a foot switch, or he may need to turn something yeah. up, or you know, you know. So, if you're pairing up players, and somebody like, there's a lot of times I've had guys come in and say, "I don't want to play with that guy. Or, don't get me up with him, or whatever." <laughs> and so, uh, I try to accommodate that as best I can. 
Um, I always right. give people heck. Don't be trying to get out of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you I see three them, guys yeah. come up to you. Oh, well, yeah, I'll get up on the next one. You know, you're like, don't be trying to get out of that. Yeah. Too. Sometimes, you know, I, I accommodate <laughs> if I can. But, you know, it, I'll always, you know, play with the guy uh, that maybe is challenging to play with and try and make him better. Mm. Probably, there's one pet peeve I have. Mm. What's that? In the jam world. And we kind of had some some issue at the fire. Please mention names. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll know Trying who they are if they watch yeah, this yeah. interview. But um, we had a little bit of an issue, or at least my jam has had a little bit of issue with horn players. Mm. And I'm not saying the players aren't good; they are good players, and they sound really good when they get up, like a three of them, and form a uh, you know a nice little horn section. Full orchestra. <laughs> well, there's lots of great kidding. horn band songs. But if I've already got a guitar player and a harp player up there, plus, you know, the three-piece band, maybe a keyboard, and then, you know, my, my pet peeve with them is they just come in, take their horn out, and just walk up on the stage and start playing. Mm. Now I've crowded out my guitar player over here, mm -hmm. who may be someone who's in a more of a beginning stage, you know, and he's, you know, completely covered up by the horns, because they're doing mm -hmm. all these horn parts. And another thing is, it tends to get loud. Mm -hmm. So, I've had a little bit of issue with that. Yeah. I hope these guys, if they're listening to this, understand that I love them, but, yeah. you know, come in and be a pro, and yeah. play some songs, and then go sit down for a while. They tend right. to want to stay up the whole night. and They accidentally stay up Stay up, up the huh? whole night, and that's kind of been a little bit of a, and I probably have pissed some of them off. We haven't had some horn players for a while. Yeah. But, but, so so yeah, that's that's yeah. a you know uh, one more thing I want yeah, to say about good. a jam session. What do I owe them? You, I, I owe you an opportunity to play to a crowd of people, mm -hmm. not to tables and chairs, but to a crowd of people. Mm -hmm. If you sound like crap or you're too loud or whatever, that crowd's going to leave. And, and you know if the crowd leaves, the musicians are going to go. This isn't the place to mm -hmm. be tonight. Yeah. And you got you came in. I had this thing rolling. You came up here and screwed it up. You know, I owe you the chance to play, but I don't owe you the chance to, you know, to uh, destroy the jam. Yeah. Or destroy the evening. Yeah. So your time up might be kind of short. Yeah. Yeah, because like that—that's what I keep coming back to with. Because I think I probably have a lot more. Maybe like your guys, your older guys, you're saying that they're just going to say what, whatever they're thinking. They don't really care about the other guy's feelings. You know, I probably am more like that than other people are willing to be. But like to this club owner right now, this isn't a happy fun time. This is a show, right? At least not to the jammers, but to the, the club owner. Like this is a show. You know what I mean? You know, this is there's people yeah. in my bar like paying for meals and stuff. That's and so right. I've got wait staff. I got you know expenses. Yeah, this, and this needs to work. If this, this night is not going to be a winner for me, I'm going to reconsider whether I want to continue mm. doing it. And then, and that's that's where I come back to with the idea of what is the relationship of the house band to the jammers? Because I'm like, we we've all seen the jams that last about four months and then they're done. Typically, my opinion is the house band is okay players. They end up drawing pretty average playing jammers, and then nobody shows up, you know? And so it's the cyclical effect of everything working together like that. And so my, my argument to that would be if, if we keep allowing 
if this if this jam keeps allowing this quality of player to get up at their jam, if they do have a choice, they only got three jammers coming, then they got to do what they got to do, you know. But 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 it is on the other hand. But if you had mm-hmm. a guy like that mm-hmm. who comes in and maybe he's not a great singer, and maybe he's not a great guitar player, mm-hmm. and what you do is you put your best guys around him yeah. and make him sound good. Yeah. A lot of times he starts sounding you... better too because he has stability with his yeah. rhythm. He has, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say on that is that on the other hand, me wanting to be hardcore about this and kind of hardline, there is the other side of, you just mentioned it a couple minutes ago, you know, some of these guys are retired and like... I'm gonna be the guy to basically strike down this guy's greatest love. You know what I mean? That's another way to look at yeah. it. Where I'm, I'm pissed off because I'm trying to, as myself, I'm trying to hustle. I want these guys are having fun, and I get that, and I need to be flexible. But I'm trying to hustle. I'll tell everybody. I want everybody in this room to know who I am. I want to get known by every single musician in this town. So when I get up there, I want to literally say, I'm not having fun. I'm not here for fun. Just me. I'm here to play the best that I've. I want this whole situation to be the best possible situation, quality wise, so that everybody can see how good I can play. And I need to be flexible. But at the other hand, this is this is all these guys do, and I'm gonna be the one to like destroy their whole moral sense of their life. You know what I mean? Well, That's pretty weak I mean, of me. You're, right? you're basically saying what is what is completely true about a jam session. It is the best networking session you can get in yeah. in the music business yeah. is to attend a jam session. You will meet people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, club owners attend jam sessions. They know each other. They go to each other's clubs and they see somebody and, hey, you know, mm-hmm. that guy's really good. You got a band, you know. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's and great another thing, it's just really interesting yeah. because I forget about some of these things that I realize, but you know, there are a lot of guys like me uh, who have retired now, now have the actual time to spend on this. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're still not too old to do it. And a lot of these guys haven't played for years like I have around town. Maybe they've always mm-hmm. just played in their basement or they've always, they, you know, been working on this type of music for a long time and they'd, they'd like to take it out now. Well, I'd like to put together a band and play now that I'm retired. I don't get up and go to work anymore. Mm-hmm. I've got time to practice. I've got time to run around and try to get gigs. Yeah. I got, you know, Takes a while to do that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I want to be somebody mm-hmm. while I'm, you know, got my final twenty years. Mm-hmm. You know, I figured, I figured in terms of my final twenty years, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sixty-one. You know, so what do I want out mm-hmm. of life? And what do these guys want? They want to come and play in front of people, mm-hmm. you know, and get some, some feedback, some nice respect and feedback, appreciation, applause for their, mm-hmm. for because let's face it, if you can get to the level of being able to play in front of people in a jam session, fitting in. You spend a lot of time on your instrument. Mm-hmm. You, you know, yeah. you'd like to have some something back for it, mm-hmm. and that is applause, yeah. acceptance, recognition. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And some of those guys. That's another re- the one last thing I'll say on the jams is that's another good reason why the jams are so good is because some people don't have time for a band. Right. They just don't have time, and but that's but right. they do have time on a random Tuesday night to come out to a right. random jam in town, right. and so that's cool. And maybe they meet a some guys that they can actually put something together with. And maybe they play once yeah. a month around town yeah. or periodically. But, you know, it's the, that's a lot because now yeah. you're, you're working towards a gig. Mm-hmm. you got to get 
the stuff together. You know, mm -hmm. do I have lights? Do I need lights? I mean, just yeah. all the stuff that goes on yeah. outside just music. Yeah. That's cool, man. I'm glad we got to talk about the jams because I know it's something that we're obviously both you know passionate right. about, and we we're, we both attend them a lot. And, there are people who don't uh, like them. Yeah. There are people who think musicians and you know bar owners are getting free music you know i just don't see it that way i see it as yeah. a, a networking opportunity yeah they're they're not if they pay the house band they're not getting free music right in general and i they mean they're pay paying somebody but and believe it, me it, no yeah. one's no one's doing it for free no house band sure. is playing for no. free yeah. if they are out of their heads examined yeah, i'm sure they're right. not but this is a great experience i mean they get yeah i and i know there is a lot of guys that are maybe really hardcore about music where that that is just something that like somebody like myself where I have a very, if I had the choice, I would choose to always play with like your house band, Dave Hayes's house band. If I had the choice every time I would, I would ask to get up with just your house band because there's just more songs you can play. Right. The quality is better. The, you know, the, the cueing is like butter, you know, I mean, right. everything just runs so smooth. And I understand that, you know, that, that they're, they don't, they're maybe at a point in their life where, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be, their, their mentality might be, I don't want to be like a babysitter anymore, right? I'm ready to do the real thing. I'm tired of of waiting here for this guy to learn what his C, C sharp right. diminished seventh is. Right. I already, I've already known this crap for 20 years. Right. I'm just tired of dealing with the, oh, little, little Billy. Oh, that was so good. Oh, good job. You know, like they're, well, I don't blame them. You know, I don't blame them. Yeah, but, I mean, but, you know, I've, I just feel like you have to be patient. I just, mm -hmm. I, someone was patient with me, believe me. So, if, if yeah. that's all I got, I can give back. I'm happy yeah. to do it. Good. And another thing, mm -hmm. you know, to, I say to these guys that think it's taking work away from regular working bands is, you know, not everybody has 30 or 40 or 50 people that'll show up every time they play. You know? Mm -hmm. A jam puts... Butts in the seats. Mm -hmm. Any any of your guys that jam, you can guarantee ten, like just jammers. You, you would can guarantee, think, you'd yeah. Jam. You know, if if, or if you seven get, or whatever, you get four whatever. or five guys that play, you know, um, someone bring their girlfriends or, you know, um, yeah, it helps mm -hmm. if you don't have a big following. Plus, there's only so much of a following to go around of people who want to go out and hear yeah. live music. There's also DUI laws. There's, they keep lowering that, you know, mm -hmm. the amount you can have in your system. I mean, there's lots yeah. of stuff to be concerned about there. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're playing in this town regularly, you know, you, you know, there's lots of reasons you are. You got a good mm -hmm. venue, and you got to produce a good product. Mm -hmm. That's cool, man. Uh, I got uh, two two more uh, quick ones here okay. for you. Um, we've talked already about a ton of different random, you know, advice, but. Uh, what is your probably biggest piece of advice for, and I'm, I'm specifically talking about like kind of the 20 to 30 year olds that are starting to get into this gigging scene or be a professional musician. Um, do you have any, you know, maybe a biggest piece of advice for, for those people? Um, I guess it would be know your market. I mean, mm. you're not gonna be just a musician. I mean, if you're a good, the good players get the calls, you know, right. uh, the rest of us, you know, we got to figure out how to make this happen. So you've got to find the right players who are willing to work with you. And quite frankly, the really good players, 
don't want to rehearse. Yeah. You know, these guys want to be in the garage, and <laughs> we've all been through this. They start in the garage, and you try to find the right players, and, you know, Oregon takes a long time to build up. It used to be 40 songs. Right. Four sets, 40 songs, yeah. 10, but 10 yeah. songs a set. So you'd have to work up that many and learn all the parts and find the players, and then the players would float in and out, and you don't have any gigs, and they're like, this guy's nowhere. You know, mm -hmm. this is... This is how you get nowhere right. as a musician. Right. You need to know. You go out and find a gig. Well, if you, if you haven't done any anything yet, you know I think you need to go through that process of putting together at least a couple hour show mm -hmm. and try to find a gig that'll do that. Even if you might have to play for free, just to a couple times, just to get right. out there and see what it's like to play in front of people. That's what a jam is so good for, yeah. playing in front of people. Yeah. You can't just sit there and look at your shoes. You've got to yeah. be somewhat of an entertainer. Or people it, are going to get tired of you. Is a bunch of guys in a garage, is that really a band? It's a garage band. <laughs> I always think it's like if you're... if you're, We've all been in them. Oh, yeah, sure, we've all been in them. I mean, yeah. I think a band is a group of musicians that plays out in public, that actually has gigs. To me, that's a bunch of guys in a basement. Yeah. You know, that, that's my opinion. With no I, gigs. I, I, with no gigs. You and know, you're, like, so you're not going to attract the good players yeah. because they're going to go where there's where they get paid yeah. to be out in front of people. Yeah. I mean, like, I know my, you, you were talking about kind of know your market and and kind of be, be sort of... So you talked about two things. You talked about sort of knowing your market and then you talked about kind of having... Sort of having your ducks in a row. A little bit, right? I mean, you're talking about kind of have this my general My kids will tell you I say yeah. ducks in a row all the time. Yeah. And one of my famous yeah. sayings. How many of us don't? Like, in, in, not, in the, not in the musical sense, but all, in all the other stuff. The finding yeah. your market, the yeah. booking the gig. Like, that to me would be my biggest thing to... Because especially for all of us coming out of, like, academia, we're taught to play music beautifully. All this other crap, we don't know anything about any of that. You know, I mean, we know how to play, you know, great vibrato, right? We know how to play in perfect pitch and perfect, but saying jokes to an audience, how do you come at a bar owner, you know, did you, did you even write down how much money you made last year? You know, little, little stuff yeah. like that, you yeah. know, what, what bars would your band fit per, you know? Yeah. I mean, exactly. what, what, yeah. I mean, There's a lot of business along that yeah. goes along with the music and, you know, you probably ought to be uh, researching that along with your practice of your instrument. Yeah, basically business side. It's basically, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean... You Which is not fun. Of, no. In this town, the, the, the business side of the music business is no fun at all. <laughs> Period. It, get, it gets fun when you have done, you know, when you've got 100 gigs under your belt and you're, you're <laughs> a, a Dave Hayes or something, you can walk into anywhere and be like, yeah, I can guarantee you 20 people every single time I come into your bar. And they're like, oh, okay, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. Oh. Well, the problem with that yeah. is is that people go into bars and say that and then don't come through. Yeah. So then the guy who can uh, doesn't get believed. Yeah, yeah. So that's what your competition will do for you. You know, that, that, that's the downside of competition is you've got guys that will play really cheap. And if they can bring in and fill up the bar, the bar owner doesn't give a shit how good the, really, yeah. most of them don't care as yeah. long as it's not horrible. If you can fill my bar up, your musicianship doesn't have to be top notch. Right. Now Dave can prove it though. I mean, he can prove it yeah. by anybody going to his jam and they like, yeah. okay, this place is full like every single time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good piece of advice, yeah. man.
because I, I think that's, that's what happened with our band too, is the knowing your market. We didn't really know where we would fit because we were a weird kind of jammy, yeah. jam band, rock, jazz thing, and we don't really fit anywhere, so, so we didn't know what fit, to do. But you can fit in there if you can fill their bar up. Yeah. So you got to do some marketing of your yeah. own. You've got to do some, probably some free shows to get people to come out and at least see you mm-hmm. and want to come see you somewhere. Mm-hmm. You can't do a live show video until you do a live show. That's right. Um, cool, man. So uh, last thing I got for you is can you, I, I've been trying to end every show on this because it's, because I think, I think gig stories are just hilarious. And everybody has a decent one, or, or you have a, a just a moment, in the, even in a band or a gig or whatever, that was just like kind of a completely ridiculous moment that was just awesome. Yeah. Awesomely or awesomely bad. Awesomely bad. This has uh, happened many years ago. Uh, I'm going to say this happened in like the early 80s. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were playing wherever we could play, and we got this gig at 8th and Tracy. Mm-hmm. called Night After Night, and it was nicknamed Fight After Fight. And it was a pretty grungy place. <laughs> but we really enjoyed playing there, and the people of the clientele really liked us. And it was kind of a long, rectangular-shaped bar. And mm-hmm. On one end of it was a pool, a couple pool tables, and then uh, the bar ran along the side, and then towards the back is where the band was in the corner. There was a dance floor and stuff, and there was a back door. Mm-hmm. And a lot of firemen would go into this place, you know, to have drinks after work, what have you. We were playing one Friday night, and, you know, we started at 9. So those guys had been there a while. And because of the area was not the greatest area, they would allow them to park their motorcycles in the bar. So this guy, I'm playing, singing something, can't remember what. This guy decides to go home and fires up his motorcycle uh-huh. and drives through the bar attempting to go out the back door here. Back door wasn't open, so he takes a left and he runs into the stage. Oh. I move my microphone stand, he hits the stage, backs up, kind of wobbly, and drives out the back door. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably one I'm like, boy, almost got hit while playing on stage. So it was like this, huh? Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm standing there playing, he's coming right at me. I stepped aside and moved my microphone stand and he hit the stage with the front wheel and kind of was dazed and backed up and drove out the back door. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> nice to meet you. That's <laughs> one of many, but oh, that's, yeah. that's wow. one of my favorites. Yeah. That's funny. Paul, Paul Greenlee, so tell his story again. He was playing with uh, Danny, Danny Montero at yeah. the gig, and he, he, they're playing, back door plies open, and he said, guy runs through, two seconds later, cops run through, guns drawn, oh right? God, this was yeah. 80s or 90s yeah. or something, and he said it was seriously like this. They're playing, yeah. and then back playing. <laughs> I was like... Because the guy ran through and then out, so they were just yeah. you know they so it was you know took yeah. five, the whole sequence was five seconds long yeah. you know and then they chased him. I was like oh my gosh, just I can't even get caught in the crossfire. Oh man, yeah, but I can't I can't imagine like these guys telling the twenties stories right and forties or even even yeah. you guys talking about how the seventies yeah. was and stuff. I mean yeah. that sounds like that was just a yes. out of control. <laughs> 
even the jazz guys, they were talking about doing matinee show, right? Then they'd do the early night, then they'd mm-hmm. do the late night, and then they'd go like down to the foundation right. at two Play in the morning after, and then get get their nice little two hours sleep, and then they're back to their matinee right. again, and that just seems right. like nuts to me. Yeah. Yeah. Good old days, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Well, cool, man. Uh, what what else you got? You got anything? Got anything else, or? Um, I don't think so. Um, I just, if anybody who comes to our jams or comes to hear us play, I really appreciate your coming to see us in whatever form it is, whether you're just listening or whether you're playing, you know, we want to do more of that. I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to try to find another jam in the Oakland Park area Mm -hmm. on a different night. So I can have the Thursday, we have a North and a South. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jay, I'd like to do that again. We've had a pretty good deal going at McGuire's, and I just haven't been able to find a place that will mm-hmm. give it a try. Yeah, golly, the only one I know is Dave's on Tuesday at New Allen's. Right. I mean, uh, Jerry's Jam Night, but that's really, that's not blues. You well, know, that's, see, that's another scene. That's a right, rock scene. Right. I mean, if you want to play, you know, um, Lover Boy or Guns N' Roses, go to his jam. Yeah. It's a good it, jam. He's yeah. a great player. I mean, I've seen what he's posted, uh, you know, but the players go there, want to play that kind of stuff. Sure. That's great. That's and those great, guys yeah. don't really fit at my place, and I wouldn't fit probably at his place. I might be able to do some O.R.E.O. Speedwagon. Oh, sure. You, well, that's, you, but that's you, about You it. would, but a lot of the jammers wouldn't, you know. I mean, you could get up there and you can't you see with them or some random, you know, a bunch yeah. of the random rock tunes, you know. Right. I mean, it would be right. great, but... Yeah. but uh, well, cool, man. Um, yeah, uh, one more time. Uh, we got uh, Christine's Firehouse on Thursdays. Every Thursday right? night, seven thirty to ten thirty. Yeah, we play for thirty minutes and then we we get the jam rolling. Yeah, quickly. That, that's good. That was another thing we didn't really talk about of a lot of guys accidentally it's doing the way it used hour. To be. You do an hour, maybe, right. and then take a thirty minute break. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, you really running a jam session? Maybe you really are. You know, maybe you're just having look at me time and then you exactly. accidentally get the jammers exactly. up at some point. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think that's very respectful to the no. guys that have come I'm with to you, see man. You. Yeah. So that's why we do it that way. I mean, yeah. I want if I did nothing but jam sessions, I'd probably be okay, you know. Yeah. I mean, I could I I do jams and I do a few gigs around town on top of it, and that's something that's in my retirement, you know, that's that works for me. Right. Like I have a golf habit during the day, so you know, I want my you got to get that itch, that little golf habit. Well, if I'm playing a gig at night, I'm probably not going to play golf during the day. Because, sure, yeah. you know, that takes a lot out. Like I said, it starts, it's a long night. Oh, yeah, sure. It doesn't seem like it to people, but it is. But I'm glad that house bands do a couple of songs. I'm, like, totally down with that. Three or four tunes, five tunes, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, because you need to, for people who've never come, you want to sort of show them what this is going to be. Right. right? I mean, Well, you're you know, setting the tone for the type of music that's going to be played. Yeah, you right. Know? So we try to do a kind of a variety of stuff and yeah. uh, we with having this thing for you know almost four years we got a pretty good following of folks that know what's going to happen when they right. come and they come because they really enjoy the the fellowship of playing with the players that come we have a lot of really good players that come so. yeah that's great man um that's all we got okay Casey, Casey Music Talk. We got uh, Steve, Steve Andrew here. Uh, come check his uh, jam out at the Firehouse every Thursday. So um, we got uh, Dave Hayes coming in here. And, uh, 
and a whole bunch of a uh, whole bunch of more musicians and teachers and whatever on Casey Music Talk. So uh, take it easy.